0: Well, again, I'm glad to see all you guys. Thank you for being with us. Would you give the tech team and the band a hand and let them know you appreciate them a whole lot as well? Uh, I want the guys to go ahead and put up uh, sort of the message graphic that we're going to have for these four weeks. And during these uh, last few cold days, that, that makes a lot of sense to us. How many of you, uh, you've turned your heat on or up in just the last few days? Could I just... Uh, if you have a seat warmer in your car, use that too, all right? I know one day, and um, I was in the house, and the house seemed really chilly to me, and I'm like, well, I need to get it to a certain range, and I adjusted the thermostat till this very strange light came on that I rarely see come on. I don't know if it's like an emergency heating or, or what it was, but it's like, well, I need to get this place warm, and you've probably done that in your car, maybe at your office, I know we had a little uh, malfunction uh, with the heat at the offices this week. So there were a couple of days, a couple of mornings, I came into my office. I looked on the little digital thermostat in my office, and it said 58 degrees. And I'm like, this is going to be an interesting day. And it was. (laughs) But maybe you're turning up the heat in places where you work, in a school or warehouse, if you work there, wherever you're at. And we could certainly think a lot about that because we've all been doing that, yet this is not the kind of heat upsurge that we're going to be talking about in this new series. And I'm very, very excited about this new series. Uh, it's going to be incredibly important uh, to us. I want you to be here every single week, and there's a reason why, and we'll get into that in just a couple of moments. But uh, instead of the kind of heat increases that you know we could talk about thermostatically and With this colder weather. And by the way, how many of you know, comparatively speaking, we've got it pretty good in Florida right now. Have you seen the news? How many of you are glad you're not in the Northeast this morning? How many of you are glad you're not even in Northeast Florida this morning? But uh, the heat increases that we're going to be focusing on actually has to do with our spiritual lives. And by the way, all of us are going to benefit, all of us, from these four messages because they're out of the Bible and we're beginning this series today. Now, Uh, Let me just say this, and and I'm not trying to start anything in a new year. I'm not. I'm a peacemaker by nature. But I want to just say to you, I believe that there is a very high probability that your spiritual life has cooled down somewhat since you first became a Christian. All right? Not trying to start anything with that, but I've got a real sneaky suspicion because I think that happens to most all of us. In fact, why don't you think back for just a moment? Uh, to that time in your life, what it was like, and a lot of you remember it because maybe it's not been too far away, or maybe it has been some distance between when you became a follower of Jesus and now, but it was so etched into your mind and your heart and your spirit that you have not forgotten it. But if you could just think for a moment, what was it like? What was it like when you stepped across that line of faith and you said, you know what? Now is the time for me to become a Christian when you opened yourself up, maybe for the first time ever, to the God's grace and forgiveness in your life, and you intentionally decided that you were going to follow Jesus, and you made that kind of commitment to the extent that you said, and I will follow him to my dying day. But then gradually over time, looking back between that time and now, maybe you'd be willing to admit that there's some things that have gone on in your spiritual life, maybe some things that are hard to admit, but You would have to admit, I'm just not as red hot on fire for God as I once was. I'm not as blazing and passionate in my spiritual life and and devotions. And maybe, Maybe, for instance, even more advanced than that. And so let me just simply ask. Is it possible that between that day that you stepped over the line of faith and this very day in which we've gathered in this place, that over time you've become casual about your spiritual life? Maybe worse than that. Maybe indifferent. Maybe you've become complacent. Maybe you have drifted over time in your commitments and your practices in regard to the spiritual priorities of your life. And I want to just say, I can say this so confidently because I can look at times in my life when that, uh, that happened to me. I, I became a Christian a long time ago as a teenager, and I was so on fire for God, like you can't believe. I, I remember uh, walking um, to the front of the church. Uh, it was on a Sunday night. There was a guest speaker, which is ironic because I'd heard my pastor, who I spoke, uh, speak many times. I dearly loved him, and, and it was just unique that it was on the night uh, that there was a guest speaker, and to be honest with you, I, and this is the mysterious activity of god i, I wasn 't necessarily a big fan of this this guest speaker isn 't that amazing? But how that God would use somebody i 'm like, you know, and I sat there thinking um, he 's a little bit silly he 's a little bit he please don 't judge me all right it 's a new year, and, and I just felt like he 's a little too goofy for me, but then isn 't ironic that at the end of that service, when he gave the invitation, I found myself walking down to the front of the church and giving my life to Jesus. And I was so fired up. I got right into the Bible. A lot of you have heard me talk about that. It was around that same time that our church announced, much like ours. And I told you, i would try to find some time, and I think I've got time definitely to tell this story before we wade into some deeper things. Uh, about my first ever experience in fasting because some of you have heard me mention, hey, we're going into two weeks of prayer and fasting and, and you're like, I couldn't fast, I couldn't fast and, and you can feel that way and I, I felt that way and, and how many of you know, generally speaking, when you're a 16-year-old young man playing lots of sports, very active, that giving up food is not something that you get really excited about. But our church was having a fast and I wanted to participate in the fast. And I was red hot, fired up for Jesus. And so I'm reading my Bible. I am praying. And if the church is going to fast, I'm going to fast, even though I've never done it in my life. And so uh, it was laid out. And I thought, well, I can make a 24. 24- Listen, I can make a 24-hour fast. I can do I can. I can fast. I may not be able to fast three days or a week, but I can fast for 24 hours. And, and so I, I entered into that. Now, I've got to tell you a little bit of where things went awry is my mom, who, by the way, uh, passed away one year this very day. My mom was like the best cook ever. And so I worked a job that uh, I went to school, and then I I got out of high school, and then I went went to a job that I had, and I would clock in at 3, and I'd get off at 11, and I would come home. And so I I was so incredibly hungry like you can't believe. All right, I'm 16 years of age. I'm very active. I get home, and I am so hungry, and I'm like, but I can't eat because I'm fasting. How many of you are with me to this point? And then I had this thought, and I'm not going to blame God because I don't think it was God. I think it was me, and I had this thought that said, I wonder what mom made for dinner tonight for all the family. I wonder what she made. Among many great things that mom made, mom made the best cube steak. Nothing healthy about it. How many of you like good old Southern fried cube steak? And I made the mistake, and I don't know why she put it in the oven. I guess you did that kind of thing back then. But I just walked over to the oven and I lifted. You know, I, I took the front of it and I lifted it down like that. And I looked inside, and there was a plate sitting in the, in the center of the oven, and it had about four or five pieces of cube steak, and it looked better than it had ever looked before because I'm fasting. It never looked so good. And I'm like, that looks really good, but I can't eat it. I'm fasting. And then I have a thought. It's 1130. A new day begins at 12 midnight. So I heated the oven, and at 1202, I tore it up. And so, you know, if a guy like me can at least make it till 1202, person like you. But I was, the point is, I was fired up. I wanted to be everything God wanted me to be. I wanted to do everything that God wanted me to do. And uh, I was just going after God. I was tithing. I had a job. And I was uh, 10%. always went to God first, right off the top, missions and uh, giving. I started that. And, and uh, so I'm just fired up. But I think for any of us, when we reflect back, we can say, I remember that time when I first gave my life to Jesus, and uh, I was just so fired up, but gradually, I, I don't know what it sort of went off track. Now, uh, does anybody identify with this, or is this just me all by myself, and you can go ahead and be dismissed, because I just need to talk to me today. Has anybody here ever felt that same way at some point in your life spiritually, where you were like just fired up, and then like, all right, you just felt your temperature, spiritually speaking, cooling down a little bit? Uh, it, it can easily happen to any of us. Many of you have heard the saying that goes like this, people don't, I've read this many times, I want to share it with you, people don't drift into commitment. They don't drift into commitment. People drift into complacency. They don't drift into commitment. When you go into to drift, you drift into complacency. And things just get out of of sync in your life, spiritually speaking. So our theme passage for this series each week of the four weeks is found in the very last book of the Bible. And I want you to read it with me. This is Revelation chapter 3. A lot of you are familiar with these two verses. Some of you are not. But we're all going to read them together. And then we're going to dive in. So here we go. Let's all read it together. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. I want to talk to you today and then for the next three weeks about how do we turn up the heat in our spiritual life. And I want to give you the bad news first. I'm the kind of guy, let's deal with the bad news. Let's get that out of the way so we can talk about the good news. Uh, Or some of you like that. Bad news first, it is way too easy to cool off spiritually. It is. It's easy. It's easy. It's easy to become cold. It is easy to become complacent. It is easy to become spiritually indifferent. And unless you have a plan of action on how you're going to turn up the heat and some commitments and some priorities in your life, I'm just here to tell you, and you may think, well, that's possible for you, Jeff, and it's possible for other people. That's never going to happen to me. And I'm just telling you, bad news first. It's way way too easy for that to happen to you spiritually. But the good news is this. There are certain spiritual habits and practices, if you happen to be cooled off right now, that if you would give them top shelf attention, this is what it will do. It will heat you up all over again. And if you want to be heated up all over again, I'm going to give you the tools to make that happen. If you don't care, then you're not even going to be fully engaged. You're just going to fill a time, and you're going to be here, and you're going to listen respectfully and kindly, but you have no intention of turning up the heat in your life. But if that's what you want to do, I'm going to give you some tools as to how to do that, and it's going to heat you up all over again. And I'm going to share with you one of these practices each week during these four weeks, and today I'm going to begin with the most basic one of them all. You see, this is what I believe. And if there's any message series you've ever been at for the whole series every week, then I want you to be at this one. When you get heated up in your spiritual life, here's what starts happening. You start living out your faith. And you start living out Christianity, for that matter, in the way that Jesus intended. So the first one that I want to mention today, and again, there's going to be one each week. You'll want to get it down somewhere. And it's basic. In fact, let me just say it this way. This first one that I'm going to mention, I want to be clear about it standing all alone, standing by yourself, by itself, is not going to heat you up to the temperature that you need to consistently live at. Let me say that again. Don't want there to be any confusion. If you do this one, and this one's really important, but this one alone, if you don't do the other things we're going to talk about in the next three weeks, this one alone is not going to heat you up to a temperature that you need to consistently live your spiritual life at. However, having said that, If you don't get this basic one down, it is highly likely that you're going to find yourself in some real trouble one day. All right? So I want to give it to you. The first practice is a weekly commitment to church. Sounds simple. A weekly commitment to church. All right? Now I I know what some of you are thinking. Are you talking W-E-E-K-L-Y? Or are you talking W-E-A-K-L-Y? Because, all right, I'm going to go with the double E, not the E and the A, all right? So we're all on the same page, right? In the balance of our time, I want to give you several reasons why this one is so critically important. I'm going to give a little more time to the first three, and then I'll wrap up with the latter two. And it's not going to take me very long. And it's not something that you probably have not heard before, but if you're going to get heated up, you're going to have to make a weekly commitment. I believe this, a weekly commitment to just be faithful to God's house. And I'll give you five reasons why. Reason number one, here it is. Be sure you get it down somewhere because Jesus, our leader, made this a priority in his own life. Because Jesus, our leader, made this a priority in his own life. Now, how do we know this? This is one of the most important verses that I ever ran across, and I ran across it a number of years ago, and it became a healthy reminder to me to keep me on track, spiritually speaking. Here it is. Guys, You're going to put it up on the screen. It's talking about Jesus. On the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue. I want you to read the last four words with me now, everybody. As was his custom. What's well, another expression that we could use? And it's okay to talk out in our church, unless you know you're throwing stuff. I don't want any of that. Uh, but it's all right to talk out. where that kind of well, how's another way to say as was his custom? Talk to me. Let me let me hear you a little bit. It was his habit, right? As was his habit. As was his practice. This is what he did. And Jesus on the Sabbath day went to the synagogue as was his custom. This was a practice. This was his habit. Now, this verse plainly tells us that Jesus made this an absolute priority, this habit of joining together with other believers who were devoted to learning and growing in their faith, and Jesus made this his practice. This is what the Bible is telling us. Jesus made this his practice every seven days, every Sabbath. This was his custom. Now, let me tell you why that's really important in regards to Jesus. It it would be important for any biblical writer, but it is especially important for Jesus, and I will tell you why. Jesus was not only only the greatest leader that ever lived. This is what we know about Jesus. We know theologically and truthfully that he was the very son of God. We know this about Jesus. Jesus was perfect and sinless. Would any of you agree with me this morning? If there was anybody anywhere that did not need church, it was Jesus. If you could say, hey, they can get by okay. They don't really need church because they're they're like the founder of it. And so they don't really need if so. Jesus is perfect in every way. He is sinless in every way. He is miraculous in his birth. He is supernatural in his life. He is powerful and preeminent in his resurrection. So therefore taking all that into consideration, if our leader with all of those credentials made it his priority to be in church every single, every seven days, then what does that say about us? What does it say about us? There's a lot of people in my, in my life that I'm really close to and that I love and care a whole lot about, and from time to time, I hear them say something like this. And again, I know it's a new year. I'm a peacemaker. I'm not trying to start anything, but I, I just want to say it because I've heard people that I, again, I'm very, very close to who have said something like this. Well, you don't have to go to church to be a Christian. All right? I've heard that. I'm not, I'm not going to take shots at that. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to say it respectfully, and here's how I'm going to say it respectfully. Try telling that to Jesus. Try telling that to Jesus. I mean, spill blood for the church, and, you know, I guess you could say theoretically or whatever, do you have to walk into... I'm just saying, can I put it another way? If you're so dearly in love with Jesus, don't you want to be in love with his bride? And that's the church. And so, I mean, if we need to get hung up on the technicality, but I'm just saying why instead of just having to form that posture, well, I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. Again, why don't you ask Jesus what Jesus would want you to do? And then if you know you're a follower of Jesus, and the answer to that is yes, most definitely, then you need to be following the leader. You need to be emulating His life. And then if for no other reason, this verse that we just read, this practice that Jesus was committed to, ought to be more than enough to bring us back to God's house every seven days. Do you agree with that? Every seven days. If anybody didn't need church, by the way, I think we all do. I can't speak for you. I need it. I need it. I, and You may say, well, that's just a flaw in you. If I don't get a lot of church in me, in fact, for me, the more I'm around church, and I'll get into some of that, the more I'm around church and in church, the way it helps to keep pressing the world out of my life and keeps me from cooling down spiritually. Does that make sense to anybody here? So I need it. And Jesus, you'd say, technically, he didn't need it. But if our leader made it a practice every seven days to show up for church, well, that's, that's a pretty good model we ought to follow. Reason number two, all right? Other writers, even if Jesus did not, other writers in the Bible also instruct us to gather in church every seven days. So not just Jesus, but this was being talked about long before Jesus was actually uh, introduced to this world in his, in his humanity. Uh, let's read this next verse together. The guys are going to put it up on the screen. This is out of the Old Testament, a long time before Jesus' life on earth. Uh, Commence. Here we go. Exodus 28. Let's all read this together. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Now, most of you know that in the Bible, specifically speaking, the Old Testament, there are these what are called 10 great commandments. And this one that you see on the screen right now, the guys have up there, is number four on that list. So I want you to consider this for a moment that before. God even gets to things like, do not steal, and do not kill, and do not lie, and, and about three others. The biblical writer plainly states, you be sure that you take one day, listen now, that you take one day out of every seven days, and you devote that day to God. That day you treat differently. That day you consecrate it. That day you make holy to God. Remember what it says, Exodus? You see it right there. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy, make that day different, make that day set apart, make that day consecrated to God. Otherwise, otherwise, and this is how we get cooled off spiritually, otherwise, what happens is we start living our lives for our work. And we're like, I'm so busy. I don't really, I don't really want. I've heard people say that. I'm so busy. And I know some of you, you've got schedules, and you'd love to not have to work on Sundays, but it is required based on what you do. I get that. I understand that. That is not what I'm talking about. But I just know sometimes because work is always there, and if you're like me, you feel like you just sort of attack the day, and you get to the end of the day, and you've not accomplished everything that you needed to have accomplished, and it rolls over to the next day, and the next day, and it feels like it piles up and piles. Up. but if you don't have that one day, listen, friends, if you don't have that one day out of every seven that you have consecrated and made holy and devoted to God, then after a while, you're not living for God anymore. You cool off. You're living for your job, or you start living for yourself, and so I've got to do this, and because I am so busy, and because I, I do have this going on in my life, I, I need to do this and this, and if I do these things, it's, it's really, and the Bible would just say, don't live for your work don't live for yourself, don't allow you to reach that place in your life where God merely gets the leftovers of your life. And if it does, you're going to just really cool off. You're going to get cold. You just, you're going to be like not that red hot, fired up, passionate, devoted follower of Jesus you once. And again, I'm just saying it happens to you and it happens to me. And we're just saying no more, no more. We're going to turn the heat up again. Here's the New Testament a version of keeping the Sabbath. One day each week is consecrated in the holy. Look at this, Hebrews 10, 25. The guys are putting that on the screen. This is what it said. We should not stop gathering together with other believers as some of you are doing. So I'm just saying to you because I love you and I care about you and I'm, I'm your pastor. And I don't wanna see you cool off. I don't wanna see you get cold. I don't wanna see you become indifferent. I want you to be fired up. I wanna be fired up in 2008. I wanna be fired up with you. I want to turn the heat up in my life. I want you to turn the heat up in your life. And this is, and this is not alone. This is just starting. And if you only do this one, again, you're not going to consistently live at the, at the heated temperature that you need to live your life or I need to live my life. But if you don't do this one, it just really makes me worried about you. It just really does because it's going it's to be really hazardous, I think. And it's not going to be that long before you're just like, well, what happened to me? I feel cold. I feel disconnected from God, and you can become you can become complacent much quicker than you think. All right, so that's true. Let me give you. Everybody still all right? Wave at me if you're okay. All right. Reason number three: God often chooses corporate gatherings to speak to people in supernatural ways. God often chooses corporate gatherings to speak to people in supernatural ways. Now, that is not the only way that God speaks to people. God speaks to people, I believe, through the Bible. In fact, I believe primarily through the Bible. I believe and am a proponent of, theologically speaking, that God speaks through promptings and nudgings by the Holy Spirit. And I believe that those are two very pronounced ways that God speaks. Having said that, for some unexplainable reason, God still, though, often waits until we're gathered together to speak some kind of clear truth into our lives. And many of you have experienced that in your own life at some point. And it generally goes like this. You're tired. How many of you ever feel tired on a Sunday morning? How many of you have ever felt unmotivated on a Sunday morning? How many of you, and it's not you because you're here, how many of you on a cold Sunday morning like today, you just think, I'm gonna pull that blanket up under my chin and I'm gonna stay in this warm bed a little while longer? Or it's raining outside and I I I don't I don't need to go out into the rain and I want to do a timeout on that with you. And again, how many of you know I'm not trying to start anything? I'm a peacemaker. But for me, and I don't know if I'm psyching myself out or what, any of you ever have a bad day? Sometimes when I'm having a bad day, sometimes when I'm having a really bad day, this is what I tell myself. I said, Jeff, you are such a wimp. And and again, you know, I'm... I, like if it's a deep, 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 deep thing, all right, that's one thing. But if I'm just sort of having a bad day, or in my case, I'd be feeling a little bit sorry for myself, or that was not fair, that was not right, then you know what I do? I sort of remind myself that there are believers scattered all over the world that are being persecuted for their faith, that the reason that they and their families are tortured is simply because they love the same Jesus that I love. And when I start thinking about that, I start thinking about, well, my day's not that bad after all. My situation is not that huge after all. And again, I'm just doing a little time out here. Sometimes we forget, because all we know is what we've got, that there are fellow brothers and sisters, family members, brothers and sisters in Jesus scattered all all over the world, that they don't have a vehicle and they don't have transportation, and they don't have a short walk to church, and they'll walk a long, long, long way to get to church in any kind of climate conditions whatsoever. And I'm just like, man, I don't want to miss church because of a little rain. I don't want to pull the blanket up under my chin because it's a little cold. And maybe you've done that. You just said, I'm tired. And maybe the thing that got you up is because, you know, you knew you needed to get your kids, grandkids, or are or you just feeling a little bit guilty, and, and you're like, I'm so tired, I don't think I'm going to get anything out of the service. In fact, you may have even thought something like this. Because I go to church in a dark theater, I'm going to take a little nap, and nobody's ever going to know about it. And I've gone to church, but I've caught up on my rest. And so you choose not to skip church. At the last moment, you change your mind. You get here and you're not necessarily expecting any kind of supernatural encounter with God whatsoever. You are not anticipating that God would use that service, that psalm, that scripture, that message to become a defining moment in your life. And then it happens right out of nowhere. Listen, this has happened to so many of you. It's happened to me out of nowhere. God has a word for you. And it's like nobody else but you and God is in the room. And you're like, where did that come from? And then you realize how close you came to meeting that moment when God had such a clear pronounced word for you. And had you just got under the covers, had you just said, I'm too tired, had you just say, not today, you would have missed that moment. There is a lot at stake when you gather together at church with other believers. You never know when something like that may happen. And people miss those God-ordained supernatural occurrences all the time. And I just don't want that to happen to you because you never know you never know when on any particular Sunday, God has a clear word for you. I've had this happen to me so many times, almost on a regular basis. And I can say that, and, and it not come off pridefully because I know it's all God. And I don't even have to think about, well, does that mean that? I, I, people have, have said to me again and again, it was like you were talking right to me and nobody was else was in the room. It was like, and you know what, I, I, I try, if I have time, I try to say, well, that ought to tell you how much God loves you because I'm not smart enough to figure that out. And God just happened to use me as an instrument to talk to you, to remind you how much God loves you, how much God cares about what you're going through, and God just I just happened to be the spokesperson for the day. So, you know, like, give glory to God. And that happens. It's a mysterious activity of God. And again, if you're going to get heated up spiritually then uh, I I think that's a good thing to keep in mind. Reason number four, and I'm going to deal with these last two really quickly because I only have about six minutes left. Reason number four, here's what happens. When you gather together with other believers, what you do is you inspire and encourage other Christ followers by your presence. You do. When you show up for church, you may not even realize it, but you're inspiring and encouraging other Christ followers just by being here. And people see you. And others like you. And it makes them think, and people think this way, I'm not crazy after all. <laughs> I'm not crazy after all. I see these people, and they're making, it a, they're making God a priority in their life. And people have that thought. They see you. And, and can I just tell you how real this is? There are so many times that, you know what, even if I'm having a bad day, I mean, I'm thinking a lot uh, about my mom today and uh knowing that you know a year ago today my mom passed away and I, i'm not i'm not feeling like really fired up today but i come in here and i see you and you encourage me and you inspire me you motivate me and i look at you and you're worshiping god and i'm like you know what i just want to i'm just going to jump into that and you inspire people. And people look at your life, and you may not even realize this. And this is serious business with God. And you may take it lightly. I hope you won't. But people look at you, and they say, well, look at them. They want to turn up the heat in their spiritual life also. And you inspire and you encourage them. Do not underestimate that. That's a powerful thing that happens. You still with me? Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. One more. And this is a biggie. All right. And this is primarily for parents and grandparents. So do these seats, I don't sit in them often. Do they have seat belts? Reason number five, and lastly, it helps to establish a legacy for our children and grandchildren. You know what saddens me as a pastor? And I think it breaks the heart of God when kids want want to come to church and their parents do not bring them. I think that saddens me. I know it must sadden God. Pastor Randy, our worship pastor, he he knows, of course, the series, and so, so there's dialogue and stuff, but he didn't know the nuances of everything I was going to be talking about. He didn't even know I was going to take this first one, this first week. And so he didn't know what I was talking about. And so I saw him early this morning, just after seven o'clock and, and, uh, I'm talking, I asked him the, how the new baby's, uh, doing. And, uh, again, he has no clue what I'm talking about. And they have, uh, they have a daughter, a daughter and two sons. Naya, I think is around five or six. I think I may be a little off there, but Naya, she's a great, bright, energetic young lady. And so, uh, Randy said, hey, I get up about, you know, five forty, 540, five forty-five or so on Sunday mornings, and so I'm back there getting ready, and uh, and and I turn around and look. Veronica, she's been taking care of the baby. She said, I turn around and look, and here's Naya, and again, she's five or six or so, and she said, there's Naya standing fully dressed and saying, Dad, I want to go with you. I want to go to church, and so I saw her in here, all the teams getting everything set up, and she's just sitting there watching Dad and all the team, and and i knew the story and i walked over to her and gave her a big hug and i said naya you really like church don't you she said yes and i said i'm glad you're here today and she just gave that million dollar smile that she has and i'm just makes me wonder sometimes when I mean, kids want to come to church or need to be in church and parents aren't bringing them that grieves me Generally speaking, kids will continue as they get older. I don't have a lot of time to talk about this, the spiritual patterns of their parents. You know, you keep your kids in church, you raise the likelihood that when they go off to college, they'll find a church home for themselves. You raise your kids in church, there's a high probability that when they get their own little family one day, they go to church. That's powerful stuff. And you establish a legacy for our children and our grandchildren. And God gives to us treasures. Some of the greatest treasures of all are our kids. And then when we have grandkids, we realize there are even greater treasures than the treasures that we have. But how many of you know that with treasures comes responsibilities? And so... It just helps to build a legacy for our children and grandchildren. Now, if you do this, this by itself is not going to be enough. I'm just telling you, it's not going to be enough to raise the temperature. If you just say, I'm going to church every seven days, I'm not going to do anything else. I'm not going to do any of the things that I'm going to be talking to you about, these tools I'm going to give you for the next three weeks. Now, it's going to be good, it's going to be helpful, but it's not going to keep you heated at the temperature that you need to be at. That's why I want to ask you, you be sure to be back here next week, and I want to talk to you about something else that you implement. You don't set this aside. It is hazardous to set this aside, and if you set that aside, you'll find yourself cooling off much quicker than you think. But if you take this and then you add to it what we're going to talk about in the next couple of weeks, I am confident with all of my heart, and I'm excited about it, you are going to get heated up all over again. And I, for one, want to be that fired up, red hot, passionate Christian that I know that I once was. How about you? Let's stand for a closing prayer. Let's give Jesus a hand. Can we do that? Give Jesus a hand. Thank you, God. I pray that all of us would just absorb this and And just in the beginning of a new year, just say, all right, God, I know that that's not going to be the only thing that I am going to do, but it's going to be a primary thing that I'm going to do. I'm going to be in your house. I know that Jesus, If anybody didn't need church, Jesus didn't. But it was his habit to be in church with other believers, growing and learning every seven days. Thank you for all the other incredible things that happened, God. You give us the opportunity because you want to be first in our life to set aside a first day and consecrate that day to you and just say nothing's going to get in the way. That day belongs to God. It's holy. I'm going to treat it differently. To, jo- to God, just say, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to put myself in a position that God's going to have an opportunity that if God one day has a clear word for me, I'm not going to miss it. I'm not going to miss it. I'm going to be there because it could change my life. God, help us know that when we gather, we inspire and encourage people who are watching us, who are looking at us, who look at us and say, wow, they're serious about God. I want to be serious about God. Who look at us and say, I, I'm not crazy. And these people are fired up about God too. We leave a legacy for our kids and for our grandbabies that we love so much. So help us, God. Heat us up all over again. We pray it in Jesus' name. Everybody said. I love you everybody. Have a great day. See you next week.